Information provided by Wall Street Penning Zoo is for educational purposes only and not intended to be financial advice. Please consult with a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome back to the Wall Street Petting Zoo. After two straight weeks of stock market gains, stocks turned down slightly this week with the S&P 500 index losing about 1%. This is our This Week at the Zoo segment in which we review the previous week's market news and look ahead to the coming week. And I am Christopher Smith. And I'm Robert Coburn. This week's uh, stock market downturn is partly the result of political gridlock. Robert, have you been following the situation with the defense bill? Yeah, so it looks like President Donald Trump has threatened to veto about $740 million in defense bill, uh, mostly because it included protections for social media companies, which we all know um, he's not really on good terms with like Twitter and Facebook. Um, so he wants those removed from the bill. Um, so the Senate will just pass the bill with a veto-proof majority to bypass Trump. Um, but there was a little chaos in the Senate on Friday due to a filibuster from Ron Paul that delayed not only the defense bill, but also a budget resolution without which the entire federal government would have had to shut down at midnight. Uh, Paul finally relented Friday evening and let the budget resolution go through. So that crisis is averted for now. Yeah, Rand Paul is a, uh, a libertarian, um, and he believes that the bill contains some uh, language that would prevent Donald Trump from pulling troops out of Afghanistan uh, before he leaves office. So he's, he's concerned about that. He's concerned that the, the bill is a little too pro-war. Um, but Congress is also fighting tooth and nail over what will be the next federal stimulus bill. And so the, the defense bill, you know, the budget is funded, um, the defense bill is going to go through, but the stimulus bill is still unresolved. Senate Republicans have proposed a $500 billion bill that mostly just consists of relief for small businesses. President Donald Trump has proposed a $916 billion bill but House Democrats shot that bill down because it includes no money for unemployment. Um, there's a bipartisan group that met and came up with its own proposal for a $908 billion bill, but the Republican side shot that one down on Friday because it includes aid for state and local governments, and Republicans detest the idea of any federal money going to Democratic states and cities like California and Detroit. So right now, there is really no uh, clear path forward to passing a bill. Yeah, so it's it kind of sounds like the Republicans are doing the whole Nixon trickle-down economics where they say, hey, if we give small businesses money, you know, we, there's no need to give people unemployment. And it's, I don't see it that way. And I think history has proven that trickle-down economics doesn't work. And it's disappointing that our politicians are not cooperating more when, you know, millions of Americans are struggling due to the pandemic. And it's mostly due to the fumbling of the government action or inaction of the handling of this crisis. Um, however, anytime there's any indication that a stimulus deal will be completed, the stock market pops. And this sounds awfully familiar, uh, kind of like with the U.S.-China trade deal talks in 2019 where... 
you know, each side would say they're, you know, they're nowhere close to coming to a deal. And then the next day they say that the deal's like minutes away and the stock market pops. And uh, I think we've seen that the the market continues and continues to bubble because of this. Yeah, I mean, kudos to the Republicans for prioritizing small businesses, because, of course, up to this point, the aid has been heavily focused on large corporations and small businesses have sort of gotten the shaft. But on the other hand, um, you know, the, the Democrats really have a point about state and local government aid because one of the big drags on an economy is when taxes go up. And right now, states and cities are so desperate uh, for revenue that they are beginning to raise taxes. New York City just uh, put a $4 fee on every package that gets delivered in New York City. Of course, you know most of the economy right now is happening through e-commerce, and so that's a lot of packages that are going to get taxed in New York City, and it's going to be a big drag on the economy. And you could see that play out in nearly every state and city across the nation if states and cities don't get some federal stimulus money. Um, the nice thing about the federal government is the federal government can print money in order to provide deficit spending. States and cities can't do that. So uh, the federal government has got to use some of its ammunition, I think, to help states and cities, or else we're, we could see a pretty significant market downturn in 2021 and 2022 as a result of state and uh, local taxes going up. So do you think that by taxing packages being delivered like five dollars per package do you think that is also a way for the government to kind of coerce people into shopping locally during a pandemic you know it's interesting because it, it's kind of funny that with covid cases soaring through the roof um new york city's government would be imposing a rule that gives people an incentive to go shop in person rather than online i mean <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm sure that most of the because most of the commerce is happening online, these governments have to take the revenue where they can get it. And so, you know, even if it's going to create perverse incentives for shoppers to go shop in person, um, the government still have to do what they can do to uh, raise revenue. And so if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. You know, speaking of pandemic, uh, did you hear about the new uh, vaccine news? Yeah, the uh, FDA is closing in on approval of a Pfizer vaccine. Uh, one minor red flag is that of the 18,800 patients in the sample group, four of those patients developed Bell's palsy, which temporarily paralyzes one side of your face. Uh, no patients in the placebo group developed this condition, so just four in the sample group, none in the placebo group. Uh, according to the FDA, 4 out of 18,800 is not significantly higher than the background rate in the general population. I did my own analysis, and I think you have to build some pretty generous assumptions into your model to conclude that this is not statistically different from the background rate. Uh, the FDA says it will keep an eye on it. If Bell's palsy does turn out to be a statistically significant side effect of this vaccine, it could be bad for Pfizer stock and really good for Pfizer's competitors in the vaccine space, the main competitor right now being Moderna. Um, so something to keep an eye on there with, uh, with that vaccine. Of course, the effect size is pretty small. I mean, even if this turns out to be a significant side effect, four out of 18,800 is not that much. And Bell's palsy can be mitigated with other drugs. So maybe this wouldn't ultimately affect um, Pfizer's approval and the vaccine would go ahead anyway. 
Um, but it's, you know, something to keep an eye on. The first doses of both vaccines, by the way, are uh, now in delivery as of today. So uh, at the time of this recording, they are rolling out the, the first doses of those vaccines. Yeah, and hopefully there's enough uh, dry ice a month ago, when they were first talking about the vaccine, uh, they there was a dry ice shortage, and they still anticipate there to be dry ice storage, even though they're ramping up uh, production of it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if uh, if they can keep the vaccine on ice long enough uh, for it to get rolled out to everyone who needs it. Yeah, the uh, the. Government, the U.S. government has taken a little bit of flack because it had an opportunity to buy a bunch more doses of the Pfizer vaccine back in like August, um, and it chose not to do that. But ultimately, I think that may turn out to be a good thing because, of course, this vaccine is the the one that has um, you know potentially a side effect, which I just talked about, and also it's got some major logistical problems with the delivery, and we may ultimately be better off with some of the other vaccine candidates that are out there. Um, hopefully they resolve the problems with the vaccine rollout, the logistical problems, because of course new COVID-19 cases continue to make new highs nationwide this week. Uh, we've seen TSA traveler throughput fall off in December. And did you see the job numbers this week, Robert? Oof, yeah, they were really bad. Yeah, in, in both absolute and percentage terms, uh, we saw a, basically a 20% week over week uptick in jobless claims, initial jobless claims this week. That was the largest week-over-week increase since March 23rd. Uh, Continuing claims have been going down strongly, but uh, this week they ticked up. um, Largest uptick in continued claims since mid-July. So, man, I hope that vaccine rollout proceeds quickly and we see case numbers start to respond uh, just as quickly because the economy is starting to... starting to struggle a little bit here it seems like yeah but by looking at the stock market it doesn't look like it's struggling too much yeah yeah have you have you been watching the energy sector at all robert uh a little bit uh i know that it surged over the last month as last month and a half actually as oil prices finally showed some strength amid u.s iran tensions um, but uh, last month, someone assassinated Iran's top nuclear scientist with a machine gun controlled by satellite. Um, there was a lot of speculation says it was Israel, but in my opinion, it was very likely the U.S. because it was wi- widely reported last month that Trump was asking the military for options to strike uh, Iranian nuclear sites. And this sort of targeted assassination without regard for political consequences is kind of in Trump's wheelhouse. Um Iran has retaliated by violating its commitment to submit to inspection under the nuclear deal, no surprise there, and by installing a bunch of new centrifuges to enrich weapons-grade uranium. Uh, The U.S. has imposed sanctions on Iran, of course, but and Iran and Russia are weighing retaliatory sanctions against the U.S., and Iran is laying mines in the Strait of Hormuz, and also moving militias into place to potentially attack U.S. military bases in Iraq. Um, The U.S. has been flying bomber missions over Iraq in order to put the militias on notice that we can bomb them if they attack. Yeah, I'm a little worried that um, before Donald Trump even leaves office, you know, we find ourselves in kind of some kind of military conflict with Iran. Um, I know that his supporters, one of the things that they really like about him is that he hasn't gotten us into any new 
wars, but <laughs> it seems like he may be rushing to try to change that <laughs> in his last month or two in office here. Um, in other news, uh, two major IPOs hit the market this week, DoorDash and Airbnb. Uh, both stocks made their debut and appear to be way overvalued uh, at their debut price. Airbnb had set its IPO price, um, the price that institutional investors pay uh, before the start of trading, at $68 per share. But then on the first day of trading, those shares that all those institutional investors had purchased um, opened over 100% higher than the IPO price that Airbnb had set. They're, they traded at $139 per share uh, opening price on opening day. The CEO of Airbnb was being interviewed live on Bloomberg TV when he found out about the uh, that number, the opening price that shares were trading at, and he was absolutely speechless. And we actually have a clip of this. You want to you hit it, Robert? Yep. That's the first time I've heard that number. Um, that is, that's a... I, you know, when we, in April, we raised money um, and it was a debt financing, it, 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 that price would have priced us around 30 bucks. So I, I don't know what else to say. It, it's that, that's a, that's a, that's a very, that, that's, um, that is, yeah, I'm very humbled by it. And, um, you know, we know that we're on a very long journey. And um, we're, we're going to be very, very focused. And obviously, today is a very special day for everyone. But, uh, you know, the, the, the higher the stock price, the higher expectations, the harder we're going to be working, obviously. So you can hear just the, the absolute disbelief in his voice there. He, he did not know what to do with that. Yeah, to me, it's also concerning the fact that he was talking about how when they initially were pricing it, he was talking about debt financing at $38 per share. So uh, to me, it shows that 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 value that uh, investors are putting on it right now is way overvalued compared to what the company sees. Yeah, right. I, I mean, if you take, uh, you know, insiders as a pretty good measure of what a company should actually be worth, um, they seem to be pricing this very differently than a lot of the retail investors are. Um, the two stocks debuted with a combined market cap, this is Airbnb and DoorDash, with a combined market cap of $169 billion, even though their combined revenue per year is just $5.8 billion. So that's a price-to-sales ratio of over 29. Uh, for comparison, Tesla, which is widely considered one of the most overvalued companies in the market right now, has a price-to-sales ratio of 21, not 29. So these IPO stocks are about 40% more expensive right now than Tesla is. And the FANG stocks, uh, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, uh, trade at price-to-sales ratios of around 7 to 12. So Airbnb and DoorDash are about three times as expensive as the FANG stocks are right now. So they should come up with a new acronym, TAD, just a tad bit overpriced. <laughs> got Tesla, Airbnb, and DoorDash. Um, I think this is a hype train situation, you know, where new and undisciplined investors think they are getting in on the ground floor. Um, but when the prices are this high, this is, you know, 10 floors above where the rooftop sits. So, and usually after an IPO, I typically wait until after employees are allowed to dump their stock before even thinking about buying in. Because usually after a company goes into an IPO, Oh, or basically when their company goes public, 
there is a regulatory minimum amount of time before people who own stocks uh, went before the company went uh, public are allowed to sell their stocks. And so usually I think that's what, three months, six months. Um, so it's not uncommon for a stock to crash hard after the initial IPO ramp up period, because usually when as the time approaches that dumping period, uh, the prices start to go down because uh, everyone's anticipating a huge dump in stock because all those people are going to become overnight millionaires. Right. So you have um, essentially a, su a supply constraint in the early days of an IPO um, where people can't sell their stocks, they can't sell their shares. And so, you know, the supply of shares for trading is fairly limited and the price is pushed up as a result. Um, but then all of a sudden you have this oversupply when that uh, the ban on selling those shares ends, all those shares enter the market and um, that big dump of supply then causes the price to go down. So this is a pretty common pattern that you see with IPOs. And if you know how to play it, you can make a fair amount of money you know, playing this pattern. Okay, folks, that's our episode for the week. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please give us a like, share, or comment on your favorite uh, social media platform. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook, where we post throughout the week. You can also um, subscribe to us on uh, YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. You can find us on any of those platforms, and we'd really appreciate if you would leave a five-star review. Uh, share us out to your friends. Uh, let some people know that you enjoy our podcast. We don't do any advertising, so that's the only way we get the word out is through word of mouth, and we really appreciate your support. Underneath the uh, video on YouTube, you can find a link to Weeble. Uh, if you use that referral link to Weeble and open an account and deposit $100 in that account, you'll get a couple free stocks. We also get a couple free stocks, and that's a way to support the, the podcast financially. Thanks so much for your support, and we will see you back at the zoo next week. See you.